0: You are listening to the FDIP, the official podcast of the Faculty Development and Innovation Center. And today we have two co-hosts. I'm Dr. Michael Gillespie, the director of the Faculty Development and Innovation Center at Eastern Illinois University.
1: And I'm Kim Irvin, Instructional Designer in the Faculty Development and Innovation Center, or FDIC.
0: Usually we don't, uh, you hear us on uh, different episodes, but every now and then we get to come together uh, and have a conversation uh, about something that's uh, interesting or uh, on topic or very timely. And today we are talking about active learning
1: we talk about active learning a lot, but it
0: never gets old. It never gets old, right? Mm-hmm. And it uh, it always uh, it always seems to be at the forefront of our mind here in the FDIC. We're always talking about active learning because it is one of those teaching strategies that uh, has been proven time and time again through the literature and through the research uh, to be effective for student engagement student learning outcomes, and also uh, a lot of satisfaction and happiness with faculty who actually use this technique as Mm -hmm. well.
1: Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah, it's a strategy that uh, focuses on engaging learners in the learning process through learning activities and assessments um, that require learners to actively participate and apply what they're learning. Yeah. So it contrasts to passive learning, That's right. Passive. where learners are primarily receiving information through lectures, presentations, readings, videos, and some examples of Active learning are group discussions, exercises, case studies, learner-led presentations or teachings, even learner-created videos, yeah. podcasts, time on can- t- um, timelines, excuse me, art, or even peer assessment. Yeah. So
0: Yeah, Yeah. There's lots of ways to do active learning. Um, The reason that we're talking about it on this episode, besides the fact that we're always talking about it, uh, is that we have a few things happening around us in the center, but also uh, around us across campus. Uh, The first reason uh, is that every year we host a faculty learning community that is all about active learning. And we facilitate this in the active learning classroom that's part of the Center for Student Innovation in Booth Library. Kim and I both help facilitate this group, and we invite faculty members who are interested in working on their active learning skills from a a pedagogical and andragogical. Yes. Fix my language. Andragogical. Andragogical (laughs) uh, uh, standpoint. Uh, and it's uh, it's basically runs the whole academic year. We're, we're going to be starting here uh, in the first bit of October. We're still recruiting for this. So if anybody's interested in active learning, uh, you can just contact me through the FDIC. One of the great things about it is we engage in the literature. We actually read a book that's called The New College Classroom. Uh, it's on Harvard University Press. And we spend several months just kind of digging through this, having some discussion about the book, thinking about strategies, and then the entirety of the spring semester. We come together uh, and participants in the group get to design uh, and facilitate active learning activities for the group of their peers, uh, try them out, and then uh, we send them on their way to ha- hopefully try those out with their students in their classrooms as well.
1: That's right. And I participated last year for the first time in this group, and I just want to provide some context around the active learning part of this active learning faculty learning community. Um, It's not um, when you come together and you talk about the active learning activities that you would like to maybe explore for implementation into your course. It's a very loose discussion. There's not an expectation that this activity needs to be fully developed. It's more of what is your idea for the activity and then the group yeah. Um, asks questions about it and helps helps the faculty member form the yeah, activity. That's right. Really. Yeah. So
0: yeah, we've had folks come uh, to to the session and say, "Here's my idea. Help me design this. Help mm-hmm. me put this together. What can we do?" We dip back into the book. We talk to Kim as our instructional designer. We have other active learning experts uh, in the center, uh, and we get to you know really help formulate these things. And it's really a fascinating process. Uh, and uh, is just a great example of active learning.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
0: The other thing that we're really talking about active learning right now is that there's um, a real um, interest across the university, uh, all the way from the administration on down to developing more active learning spaces and flexible classrooms uh, in all of the academic buildings across campus. And so um, we have our active learning group in the active learning classroom in the CSI and Booth Library, but there's flexible classrooms popping up all over campus. There's one that's being uh, developed in the history department in Coleman. There's some interest uh, in, in departments that are in Blair and in physical sciences and other places across campus. The College of Education has a couple that they're working on right now, and we want To see more of these, we want people to be uh, active across campus and thinking about what they can do with flexible learning and active learning, and how they can design and engage uh, in in uh, presenting and creating these places across campus. It's it's very exciting time.
1: Yeah, and I think that that sounds like an invitation, Michael. Invitation for feedback. If you have an um, an area, maybe that you walk by every day on your way to your office or the way to class, that once you've heard about this focus, if you have an area that you'd like to recommend to Michael that yes. could be one of these spaces. That's right. I think he'd like to hear about it. Yeah, I would
0: love to hear about it. And I'd love to hear about it because we we want to help you develop these. We also Live, we walk the walk and talk the talk. Like we want uh, to promote best practices. Uh, we want our students to be successful. We want our faculty members to be successful. And active learning uh, is one of these tried and true ways that this can actually happen for
1: everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so,
0: so let's talk about active learning. Yes. Right, because that's really what we're here to talk about. You're not here to hear pitches from us. You're here to actually learn about active learning a little bit. And there's some really great. Tenants to active learning. Its purpose, uh, why would you utilize this, for example? Kim, maybe you can talk about that a little bit. Why does one utilize active learning?
1: Well, of course it engages and keeps attention, and that's very important. It helps maintain that learner attention, which reduces distractions and initial focus. But because we have the engagement, then it's kind of like a chain reaction, Mm -hmm. and it brings about enhanced critical thinking, um, participation, fostering. Analyzation. Mm-hmm. And analyzation is That's a, a great, word. great word because I'm very in tune with Bloom's taxonomy. Yes. And where does analyze fall on Bloom's taxonomy? It's one of those higher thinking order skills. That's right. Participation and active learning activities, it challenges learners to apply what they already know and maybe have received passively to solve problems and make decisions, which are crucial skills in academia as well. As in real life, right. so then once they have started to critically think, then that enhances understanding, right. and it takes it to a deeper level. Right. A level yeah. um, when learners actively engage with the content, they're more likely to discover and grasp more intricate concepts and details. Um, which can then lead to meaningful connections between knowledge. Finally, the retention of knowledge, as you can imagine, the more we spend time with things, with concepts, ideas, the more deeper ingrained they become in our, our mind and our brains. So participation in active learning activities helps learners retain that information longer. So they're less likely to forget what they have learned.
0: You know, when information is coming at you, and I'm guilty of this, right? I... I teach a statistics class. It's lecture heavy. Uh, And sometimes I think to myself, you know, how can I make this more active? You have some kind of thing that's engaging all parts or more parts uh, of your body throughout that learning process. All of a sudden, it it starts to really make connections and starts to really feel like things are coming together. And you Mm -hmm. can see the application of that information that Besides, it's just coming at you and you trying to catch on with what's coming at you.
1: Yeah. Another thing that I was, uh, as I was preparing for our talk together and here in this podcast, Mm -hmm. we advocate, and we've already mentioned this, we advocate active learning a lot. And so I thought if I was listening to this podcast, I would ask him, what is the best practice for active learning activities in my course? Is there, you know, a ratio, you know, or something like that? And that also got me thinking about just how much we advocate active learning. And it made me really reflect back on... While active learning, you know, is essential, there certainly is more than likely a very important role for passive learning in your courses. Mm-hmm. You know, the passing, passive learning approach has purpose when forming knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for example, I thought of, like, when we, most of us learned how to drive, yeah. we were in the book— First, mm-hmm. and then the book, we went behind the wheel. We did yeah. the active learning. So mm-hmm. there was significant purpose for our safety to mm-hmm. have the passive learning first and mm-hmm. then the active learning. Right. So I just really want to kind of maybe take a time out and, you know, say that even though we advocate and maybe sometimes Feel like we push active learning. We recognize that there's a place for passive learning, and that really the best practice is to determine that balance Mm -hmm. um, between the two. And you do that by assessing your student needs um, and making adjustments whenever, whenever you need to. So you know, certainly there's different factors that can impact like an optimal balance Mm -hmm. between the two. You might have a large class size, or there might be time constraints. Um, If the engagement level with your learners seems to be a little bit more disengaged, Mm -hmm. learners may benefit from an increased active learning um, activity schedule. And then, of course, the complexity of the the material. So, um, complex concepts can benefit from active learning as well. So, just keeping in mind when you think of active learning, yes, it's important. Yes, we want you to incorporate it, but just balance it.
0: And one thing that we've really figured out over the past couple years is that you know there's certain disciplines, certain courses that might be more or less uh, amenable to a lot of active learning. So the ratio can change even by discipline, mm-hmm. but I think any discipline, any course can introduce some level of active learning. So when Kim talks about this ratio and kind of trying to find that sweet spot between this active and passive learning, um, it's going to be different for everybody. Yes. You know, Not just class size, not just time constraints, but but think about your discipline and if your discipline is a very hands on discipline, such as like a studio art class. I mean, that's going to be a lot of active learning. Or if you're in an economics class, we have to get a lot of fundamentals of macro or microeconomics, You have to have that base and then some application of that. So there's going to be a, a good balance, a ratio depending on just the discipline as well. But there's always going to be something in there. Mm -hmm. Um, that you can find to introduce more active learning to benefit the passive learning that you are providing for your students.
1: Right, right.
0: So now what? Right now what? So we talked a little bit about this ratio, we talked a little bit about some of the benefits of active learning, thinking about um, the balance that we can make. What are some steps that we can take to actually sure. implement active learning in courses?
1: Sure, and I've got a few steps here that I would like to um, to mention. And first step is to take a step back and just do a self-assessment yeah. of how what's your current level of active learning activities in your course. I have a nice tool that I was able to find online It's a worksheet. It's called Reflecting on Your Practice Worksheet. This worksheet is linked in the show notes, so you can easily access that. I want to give credit to where it came from. It came from the University of Michigan Center for Research on Learning and Teaching. Um, Michael's doing a little little dance over here because Mm -hmm. he's an alumni from there. But... um, What it does is it has active learning activities in the self-assessment that are grouped by complexity, low, medium, and high. And then for each one of those activities, there are four indicators where you self-assess either, yes, I use this in my teaching, I sort of use this, I do not use this, or I'd like to try or learn more about the activity. So I think there's around 23, um, between all complexities.
0: And it's great because you, you get, um, as you, as you use this tool, you, you might not use some of these things, but you might be interested in what some of these, um, active learning tools are. Some of the low complexity activities are things like the think pair share, which is, is widely used. It's standard sort of student processes, some idea, pairs up with another student, they chat about it, and then they share it with the rest of the group, right? And it's really great activity, really widely used, but it's such a powerful tool Mm -hmm. to promote active learning, but also to promote engagement with other learners, engagement with the material, and then sharing of information as well. Right,
1: and one thing about that one that I have, I read one time and it really resonated with me is the step in that that sometimes we skip is the think. So we, we gather students together and we throw out a question that we want them to discuss, mm-hmm. but sometimes we gloss over the think. Right. So be intentional yeah. about allowing that that right. step right. in that activity.
0: Um, just another added point to that too, one that um, Kim and I have been talking about now with this advent of AI is actually including an AI tool in there, sort of like a think pair AI share, Maybe whether mm. you're doing a chat bot or some other uh, type of tool where you're actually get information not from a third person, but from this external body of AI uh, tools as well. So just a little spin on that. Something to think about. Yeah,
1: we always have to throw in AI, right? right? Yeah, absolutely. We do now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the next category of learning activity in the self-assessment is the medium complexity Mm -hmm. activities. And they just really build on the lower complexity Mm -hmm. activities. It's just that they may take a little bit more pre-planning. Yes. um, Then, kind of just on the spot, think, pair, share, type thing. So, yeah. and an example um, is you can have learners take a short ungraded quiz, yeah. to just check comprehension. Mm-hmm. So,
0: it can be anywhere in the in the lecture part portion of the class too, right? Like you could stop halfway through, maybe at the end, maybe start class that way. Um, you know, it can be no stakes, low stakes types of things mm-hmm. uh, that could actually do even polling. There's a lot of um, um, free and low-cost polling sites like Kahoot, uh, where you can where you can engage in some of that activity. Um, but it gets students thinking in a different way in the application and really having to start that critical process of not just, hey, here's some information, but how am I going to apply it? How do I put it into context? How do I make sense of it? Mm-hmm. Um, but it can be done at any point in that class period, too.
1: Yeah. And then the next complexity, of course, progressing here is high complexity. Mm -hmm. And these activities are more well thought out. They're planned activities that often take the place of lectures, and they can Mm be part of evaluation within the course. And an example might be to engage learners in case-based learning. yes. Like, for example, ask learners to read and discuss complex real-life scenarios that call on analytical skills and decision-making. Right. And this re- this one resonated with me because in my graduate program here, um, I graduated from the School of Technology. I won't say how many years ago, but I remember specifically doing a case-based learning exercise that was related to the Firestone and Ford tire controversy. Mm-hmm. And that happened actually in the 90s when there were a lot of um, reports of Tire failure from mm-hmm. Firestone on Ford Explorers, yeah. and we were looking at it from a training perspective. Sure. You know how training could have maybe um, prevented some some of that for the employees. Yeah. Um, so so anyway, that one just resonated with me. Yeah,
0: and oftentimes these take more than one class period. Like you can base. Uh, an entire semester around some of these larger types of things uh, as well. Um, if you, if you know me and you've heard me talk in any kind of form, i love to talk about things like authentic assessment
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: and Kim's saying, and, yes, and here again, we go. Exactly.
1: <laughs> well, and especially in the age of AI again. Right, right.
0: You know, especially in the age of AI, but thinking about how the concepts and the theories and the methods that we're teaching them Our learners apply out into the real world and creating some high complexity, often scaffolded types (laughs) of activities uh, where they're actually going to be applying all this information that they've been learning throughout a, a class period. The scaffolding is important right? Because it can take the place uh, throughout an entire semester and kind of build on itself. But it also takes a real-world scenario, whether it's Firestone and Ford, or thinking about some kind of social policy, or working through some kind of scenario that you might be teaching in uh, a statistics course, or a public policy course, or uh, a mathematics education course, right? You can really build on that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we took a little time there to describe that self-assessment, but Mm -hmm. I think think it was important. And the other one little wrap up about the self-assessment that I want to make, the specific one that, um, I described and I'll provide the link to in the show notes does focus a little bit more on face-to-face, um, activities, but I think it with just not very much brain power, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think that you could, Modify the activities to right. an online environment right. very easily. Right. So,
0: and I will say, um, Kim has done a lot of work on this, uh, on building. Uh, a repository of information and skill building for faculty members to incorporate active learning into online courses. And so we'll talk a little bit about that later.
1: Yeah, we sure will. Absolutely. So so yes, so that was all of number one. That was step number one, self-assess. And (laughs) we went through the self-assessment that you have access to. But really, step number two is to identify the learning objectives that the active learning activity will help verify as successfully achieved. Mm-hmm. And this is just kind of that uh, you know sometimes we get so excited about activities or technology and we jump right away to how can I incorporate that into the course right. without thinking about well is it is it appropriate number mm-hmm. 1 does it does it help justify an objective right. either it a, a module level chapter mm-hmm. week, you know, however your course is subdivided or the course objective. Yeah, so course that's objectives. just the plug for right. course alignment, backward course design yeah. and keeping those objectives in mind and make sure that you're adding the learning mm-hmm. activity for the right reason. Right.
0: And that then kind of goes into the next thing, which is yeah. positioning the active learning activities to be successful. Right. That's right. It's part of that alignment.
1: Yeah. And, and this, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about a word that Michael has already discussed here, scaffolding, and thinking about how can I make this activity successful and then backtracking from that and thinking about, well you know, the first thing we say with active learning, it involves engagement that involves um, speaking with other people, being comfortable with them. So think about the connections that you're building in your course right right from the start and cultivate those connections to create a welcoming environment where learners feel safe and open to eventually participate in active learning activities and scaffold, scaffold those connections. So Mm -hmm. it first starts with your as an instructor your connection with the learner making them feel comfortable in the class mm-hmm. and then even scaffolding the active learning activities like what how we described in the self assessment you know you right. might start off with some lower complexity ones and build up to the medium and then finally you get to the higher complexity ones right. so that um, that'll set your activity up for the for best mm-hmm. success yeah
0: that will that really will so so choosing the activity right there's a lot yeah, of them out there i right? know. You know it's sort of like Picking your favorite child. Um, <laughs> every now and then, you have to actually pick a different one. Uh, but there's lots of great resources, right, Kim?
1: Right. And you know, I looked at my resources that I have available, and I'm going to keep it simple. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give you one website yes. to go to. And that this is, is a good one. awesome. It's it's small. It's not overwhelming. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to give you one really good one. It, certainly, if you want to talk about. Others or maybe some other um, resources mm-hmm. for learning activities. Please feel free to reach out to me. But I'm going to reference the Online Instructional Activities Index website, that is a part of University of Illinois Springfield, their Ion Professional E-Learning Programs yeah. um, Illinois Online Network. Yeah, thank Such you. Such a great program. Yeah, and what this website does is it it offers 45 indexed activities. And they're all right there on the webpage as you enter. Um, and by the way, the, the link to this webpage will be in the show notes. And then once you see all of the 45 activities, you can just simply click on the one that you're interested in. And then not only is the number impressive of how many activities they actually have, but the information about each activity is really in-depth. Um, about each activity, you can expect like, 12 or 13 areas of consideration behind each activity. So for example, uh, one of the activities is case studies. If I click on case studies, I'll go to a page that lists, first of all, what's the definition of the activity. It'll make suggestions for appropriate content areas to use that activity, maybe sample examples. um, And then goals and objectives. If there are any prerequisites, and for like case studies that meant, you know, think about prior knowledge that the learner would need to synthesize case items, materials and resources that you might need, any guiding questions for the lesson, uh, sample outline and procedure, teaching strategies that you can consider, any accommodations that learners may need, a timeline for implementing the um, activity, ideas for lesson evaluation and teacher reflection, and then as if that wasn't enough, right. additional so good. <laughs> additional useful references. Right. So, what's behind all of these activities mm-hmm. is phenomenal.
0: Yeah, it really is. And when we were talking earlier about thinking about how this fits into your course, uh, you know, based on the the size of the course, the the time that you have, but also the discipline that you're in. There are so many different activities in this index, and it can fit somewhere uh, into so many different types of courses. There's journaling activities. There's audio recording activities. The case studies are important. There's gaming. There's art projects. There's so many different things that you can tap into and how it's going to fit into your course. It just takes a little bit of that time to, to dig into this, uh, but it, it is One of the best sites I've ever seen for this kind of
1: thing. Yeah, it's a good one. And like I said, if you want some more ideas for resources, um, places you can go for ideas, Mm -hmm. reach out to me. I've got some more links. But yeah, I think that that takes us to the next step. So we've talked about self, you know, here I am, that teacher reviewing. Mm -hmm. So we've talked about, (laughs) that's right. We've talked about self-assessing, making sure that the activity relates to a learning objective Positioning the activity so it can be successful by building those connections and scaffolding and then choosing the activity. And then really the last two here, um, the, the fifth one is to plan the activity and This is very important because you want to guide learners through engagement. And I have a nice outline that I like to use for my summative assessments in my course. And it has um, four areas um, for each summative assessment, uh, active learning activity. First, describe the activity, give an overview Of it. And then another important one is the purpose, the why. You You know, adult learners want to know why you are asking them to do things. And I've actually had instructors admit um, in conversations that when they have included the why, they have noticed tremendously the difference of engagement that the their their students have have expressed absolutely yes so that why is important so an overview activity overview purpose and then the task you know how can learners complete this activity right and and Really, be specific about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have check boxes mm-hmm. on for a suggested way that you can complete this activity, right. and then lastly, the criteria for success, which might include a link to a rubric or just some more check boxes. This okay. is what you need to do to be successful with this activity. Right. So, I give credit um, for that flow, the activity overview, purpose, task, criteria for success, to Flower Darby. I. I read in her book, uh, Small Teaching Online, that she uses that. And there is a specific section in that book about uh, guiding learners through engagement. So, Yeah. We should yeah. put a link to
0: that book in the show notes yeah. so that folks can, can take a look at it. It's yeah. great.
1: Yeah. And so the, the last step here, six, is reflect redesign and repeat. Yes. So, you know, as we do with, uh, with all of our course content. Right. Yeah. You
0: you got to have that. It's so built in and, um, you know, even taking the uh, five or 10 minutes after an active learning session or at the end of the semester, just to kind of think back over some strengths, some areas for growth. Uh, what can I do different? What do I want to enhance next time? What, you know, do I want to make sure that I include or definitely make sure to look, think about the stuff that you might want to take out. Mm-hmm. as well. Uh, and thinking about those activities and then do it again, right? Yes. Don't give up on it. Yeah. Do it yeah. again. Absolutely. Yeah, and,
1: and just another concept that I'll add here too, is, is kind of my uh, over, overarching concept I have with a lot of things and a, approach to things, baby steps. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Don't, don't overwhelm yourself. Just start mm-hmm. small, right? Start small.
0: Yeah. If you've never, uh, done active learning or if you just done maybe some of those low level things like a think pair share, but you want to do more, try it once, you know, just take one, take a day in your class, try it out. You don't have to reinvent uh, an entire course uh, in a new semester, right? right? Have it be an evolutionary process uh, because you're going to be comfortable doing things one way and you want to make sure that you're comfortable with this little change before you take on a big change or an even bigger change.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, so talking about um, maybe some additional resources yes. for active learning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so a little bit of what, what's cooking here in the mm. FDIC and what I'm working on yeah. is just to be completely transparent, um, there is a online course for professional development that I developed. Um, it's called Online Teaching Strategies Institute, and it's- We call it OTSI. Yeah, well, yes, we O-T-S-S-I. call it- that's right, it's a part of the online teaching certificate. And so just to offer this information out to faculty, mm-hmm. I'm in the process of taking out the, uh, the work that is done in that course to receive the certificate for completing it and just providing the information. Mm. And the, the course is going to... The D2L course is, go, is going to be called Teaching Strategies Sandbox. Yeah. And so I'm stripping out all of the activities like i mentioned that you need mm-hmm. to do for the certificate just so you can have access to the information right. and so if you think that you would be interested in being enrolled in that course when it's finished which will be soon yeah. please reach out to us and and let me know and i'd be happy to enroll you right. in the teaching strategies sandbox course right. so just so you can have access to right. this information there's one whole module in in the sandbox course for active learning. That's right. Yeah.
0: And it goes through even this checklist, right? You get to go, you get to work through some of the activities that you're doing in your course. Now so think about things, uh, that you would like to be doing. So there's some self-reflective parts of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, you really get to do that assessment and kind of see where you can pull some of these different ideas in and help develop your course. Uh, the sandbox idea is phenomenal. You know, it's, completely playful, but it's also very active, right? Mm-hmm. You get in a sandbox, you go to the beach, maybe you got kids and you get in the sandbox with them. You don't just sit there passive, right? You get to play around. And that's kind of the idea behind this is you get to sit in this teaching strategy sandbox with your tools and play around with what you want to be doing and developing for your course.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm having fun with it and I'm just excited about um, getting the resources yeah. into the faculty hands. It is so, so good. Yeah. It
0: is so good. Well, um, I've just had a fantastic time talking about active learning. Me too. Uh, uh, I, I love Kim and I sit down and we talk all the time and we just bounce ideas off each other. Uh, and uh, I'm excited to have these conversations and that we get to have these conversations so other people can enjoy them as me well. Me too. So, um, so I want to thank uh, Kim for joining me uh, on the FDIP the official podcast of the Faculty Development and Innovation Center. It is the Teaching and Learning Center here at Eastern Illinois University, and we're proud to be able to bring you this podcast and so many more programs, like our online teaching certificate, our excellence in online instruction suite of programs, our face-to-face workshops, our hybrid workshops, so many faculty learning communities. It's just an honor and a privilege to be able to serve the faculty uh, of this institution. So uh, as Kim often likes to to do when she does her episodes I think it's only fitting to finish with a quote right Kim
1: yes all right
0: this is a a, a well-worn time-honored lovable quote by Benjamin Franklin who said tell me I forget teach me and I remember involve me and I learn
1: and hopefully you've connected that to active learning that's right
0: (laughs) take care everybody and we will talk to you soon bye